0: Welcome to Aussie Ambitions Podcast, where we meet with everyday Aussies that are pushing ahead with their goals and ambitions in life. Join your host, Scott Robert Springer, to explore the future of entrepreneurship, work-life balance, and reaching beyond your comfort zone. So stay
1: tuned for some tips on living life the Aussie way.
0: All right, welcome to the Aussie Ambitions Podcast. We're here with a new guest today. Her name's Karen. How are you, Karen?
1: Very good. Thank you for having me.
0: Excellent. So yeah, we're on the topic of um, essentially you know, what life is like here in Australia and, uh, and really getting a look into the world of hospitality. And you've been working in hospitality for a few years, is that right?
1: Yeah, quite a few years. Maybe I've had a break with having my daughter in between, but um, maybe started when I was 17.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what are you up to at the moment?
1: At the moment, I'm working at Ladybird's restaurant located at Palazzo Versace, right on the waterfront as a bartender.
0: All right. So that's what, uh, just coming in, obviously we know each other from personal circles and, uh, you know, having kids the same age and so on. So, um, but yeah, I was just curious about kind of life as a bartender and just getting a feel for, you know, what that's like. I mean, there's, there's shifts, there's, um, you know, working with the public and different types, especially something like Palazzo Versace is quite high end. Absolutely. Premium luxury style. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on, on that like do you consider yourself living the bartender life or is it just uh, part of part of it
1: i think it's an amazing place to work um i personally don't speak to customers because it is table service which i do like more personal interactions in a bar but the luxury of it makes up for me not speaking to customers as much as what i would in say a pub or a club
0: all right. Um, and so when you say this is going to help people from overseas get a sense of the the table service, so you basically got a almost like a hotel type setup and then a restaurant? Yeah, absolutely. And then the bar is sort of tucked in internal, right? So if you were to order drinks along with your meal... Um, the table services uh, you're basically ordering it, and they're delivering it to your table,
1: yeah, so the waiter will ask for your order, and then I will get a docket printed out. I'll make the drinks, and then the waiter will take it to the table,
0: okay, yeah um so yeah, in the world of bartending, I guess um there's not everyone could be a bartender. I can imagine there's a certain skill that goes along with that,
1: um yeah, I think most people could learn after a while of training i guess in a way to say um you do have to know about your alcohols there are a lot of cocktails to remember um but yeah cool. it isn't it isn't easy but it's not overly uh, mentally challenging either
0: okay yeah. um and so is it the type of thing like it's a fixed menu and so you you'd serve up what's on the menu or do people come and say you know, there's, there's obviously the world of mixology and there's certain drinks that you just got to know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how does it... Uh, do you get some out there requests or do you stick pretty much to what's on the menu?
1: We do get some strange requests. So we've got our signature cocktails at my venue and then also our classic cocktails, which is... Um, they're quite universal, really. Um, but yeah, we do get some strange requests, maybe a certain cocktail, but they want it in a different type of glass or um two cocktails mixed together or just yeah some bizarre flavors that i personally wouldn't like to drink myself but um yeah interesting
0: um yeah okay so obviously just learning the skill i mean a lot of people listening in would be curious about okay maybe i'd like to be a bartender or or just just have have that ability to have like the certification for it is there Mm -hmm. some kind of like um bartending school or like where did you learn how to do it
1: um, I was lucky enough to have worked in pubs, so I've slowly gone from, I guess, pouring beers and learning a basis of like five different types of wine into a little bit more intricate. I do I am really passionate about making drinks. so I guess off my own back, I have watched a lot of YouTube and gone on a lot of Instagram cocktail mixology pages, and yeah, off my own back, um I guess taught myself a lot of cocktails. but I guess it is one of those things where you get thrown in the deep end and you have to learn in the venue. You're never going to have a full alcohol cabinet at home that you're able to play around with unless you're obviously extremely wealthy. But so, yeah, I guess you got to put yourself in the deep end and go from there.
0: Okay, that's yeah. that's a bit of fun. So, obviously, in your work setting is the type of thing that you could. Um, obviously, you, I've heard this about, like, say, the bar industry, is that a lot they're measuring the... I guess, the allocation allocation of liquor, like so there's not a lot of wastage or um, that kind of thing. Is that still very controlled?
1: Um, I think that depends on the venue. So if you have obviously bartenders that uh, you've got a small venue, I think wastage is a lot less um, monitored, whereas in a large venue with a lot of, uh, say, bartenders that I guess the managers aren't able to monitor consistently, they need to write up the wastage. Otherwise, they if you've got, you know, 20 bartenders in a nightclub and everyone pours out a shot of vodka accidentally or whatever it may be makes a wrong drink, then at the end of the night, the, yeah, I guess wastage is just going to accumulate to a ridiculous amount of money lost for the venue. Yeah, 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 for sure.
0: Um, So do you, uh I guess a typical price for a drink here in Australia, I know some countries have uh, very high prices. Like I think in like Dubai and, uh, some of these, you know, luxury yeah. cities, I think it's
1: Singapore.
0: like $20 for a beer and cocktails mm-hmm. might be 30 to 50. I'm not sure. But, um, in Australia, where do you think we sit with cocktail affordability?
1: I think your average price in Australia is $18 for a cocktail okay. after going to a few venues myself and working. Yeah. I would say 18, um, anywhere up to 24 when you're starting to get cocktails with more, um, top shelf liquor. Um, and maybe on a happy hour, anywhere down to $10 for a cocktail. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned happy hour. That might be interesting just to loop back on what, what is happy hour? When is that?
1: So happy hours generally in the afternoon in a time period where no one's eating in a restaurant or venue. So they're trying to get people in to the venue in a time where it is slow, but they still need to keep, I guess, their restaurant open. So they'll advertise cheaper drinks from maybe you've got a happy hour, 3 to 4 or 3 to 5, depends on the venue, um, for timing, but generally from 3 to 5 p.m.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. And then so is it the type of thing where you need to order food? So the food is served all the time or is it
1: restaurant hours? <coughs> well? Um, That depends on the venue again. So some places have all-day um eating and some places – I think a general bistro uh, restaurant is 11.30 till 2.30 and then we'll reopen at 5.00, 5.30 till 8.39. Okay. Yeah. But the all-day dining I think is great for a happy hour because I really think people need to be able to have uh, food service whilst they're drinking so they're not getting too intoxicated, I guess.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, I guess on the serious note, but in Australia there is a certain, um, you know, not – Culture, But I mean, the drinking is pretty prevalent, right? Uh, People have a drink to relax and unwind, um, but it can go off out of control, like if you're to serve them too much. And so is there some clear limitations you say like, oh, you have to monitor their behavior and you won't serve them beyond a certain point?
1: Absolutely. So, excuse me, to work in a bar, you've got to complete your RSA certificate. And within that certificate, you'll just learn about, um, say, from their coordination to their balance um their speech uh their action towards others and we do have to monitor that extremely clearly because it does come back on the venue if a situation occurs and that was generally leading up to happening because of the amount of alcohol that person had had so we've also got to have water on offer food and a taxi service home so not that is paid for by us but just that we're calling them a taxi or making sure that we're giving them options to be able to get home without driving
0: yeah interesting yeah um yeah so obviously you've got that experience and you've got the full feel for it do you think it's something like you might want to get into eventually like maybe managing a little um uh, i know in some like in melbourne they've got these like alley bars and they they're just small little location and they just start serving cocktails i don't know if that exists here is there a small smaller format
1: yeah we've got a few um i guess you'd nearly call them not so much a dive bar. That's a bit more grungy, a bit more rock and roll kind of style bar. Um, but I think maybe Nobby's Beach has a rum bar. Um, you've got Night Quarter and Burley. That's quite a little alley, discreet, maybe New York style bar. But, yeah, there is a few here and I think that would be a wonderful venue to work out absolutely, and especially managing yeah, nice. and making the cocktail menu yourself and getting to be creative.
0: are you a creative person just going back in your life and different things
1: um depends what it's with i guess yeah i guess i could say that okay i do like being um yeah mixing things up and
0: is there a signature drink that you've got like as your own recipe or not yet
1: um it wouldn't be my recipe you might resonate with it but it's a maple syrup old-fashioned
0: Oh wow! Yeah, that actually, of course, I know what maple syrup is, but uh, <laughs> what's the alcohol component of that?
1: Okay, so you've got two shots of bourbon, uh, maybe twenty mils of maple syrup, and then a few dash of bitters, and it's stirred so that it's watered down a little bit.
0: Uh huh. So, and bitters is like just to describe for people listening, it's a liquid, like it's a, like a lemon taste, or
1: um, you put it into a lemon lime bitters. It's a little bit hard to describe the taste really it's very sweet so it it's bitter but it's sweet and it just tops off a drink perfectly
0: but it's like so almost like soda water like it's bubbly right fizzy
1: no so it's like a syrup oh it's like a
0: sip yeah, okay. no. oh. yeah yeah see now this is where it gets interesting part of this podcasting is about just getting in here and doing some recording but um it is fun to do a little bit of demo so on screen so uh like to at some point we're going to get a series going called cocktails and microphones and a little bit of a you know mixing right in front of the camera oh that'd be um, amazing so yeah if you want to uh or anybody else has any requests um but i think there is some of that unique stuff that nobody would have heard of these kind of drinks yeah um is there anything else that's pretty typical aussie type of a drink like
1: cocktail wise yeah, or, um, yeah. i would say a long island iced tea nice. so you've got five shots of alcohol so i think it's just a quick fix when maybe you're a bit late, and everyone's already had a few drinks, and you need to pick me up, play catch-ups with everyone.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's wine, and then there's beer. So different categories. Do you cover all of that? Like, your your people are ordering off the wine menu, and you're 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 in the loop on what people are ordering, or is it mostly cocktails that you do?
1: Um, so we are a cocktail bar, but then we do have uh, quite an extensive wine range as well. Um, and we're not too big on beer, so we've got about six beers on tap. Which some venues, um, I know there's one in Surfers Paradise that has, I think, 56 beers on tap, which is absolutely unreal. But yeah, so we are more wine and cocktails. Okay. Yeah, and spirits, of course. All right.
0: Yeah. Uh, maybe just on just for my own curiosity, the the beer uh, scene here. You've got some microbreweries, like I know burley has got some uh, some sort of micro brew. So it's like that yep. surf culture, beach, and then they've got this brewery industrial t- style. And I think that's kind of neat.
1: It is very cool. Yes. Um, is there,
0: are you a beer drinker yourself? I or, am. Or so cocktails or...
1: before cocktails, I'll drink and dry, which is my go to beer. But, um, yeah, I think there is a massive culture in Australia with drinking beer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got the, the big, I mean, historical stuff, like you hear about VB and, um, you know, Carlton Draft and Dry and lots yep. of different versions of it. Um, have you ever had a Foster's?
1: A Foster's? No, I have not.
0: Did Have you heard of the, a beer called Foster's? I have heard okay, of it, Okay, okay, yes. okay. That's a bit of fun just for people overseas. That's their thinking. Like, that's how it's marketed. Overseas is like an Australian beer is a Foster's, and that's all there is. Uh, wow. And so there's a little, um, yeah, I'm trying to even picture the label of it now. I'm sure it has a kangaroo on it. I don't
1: know. I've never tried it. Okay. Crazy.
0: Oh, there we go. That might be part of the series. A little taste test to see.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool.
0: I've heard that Aussies aren't a fan and it's pretty ordinary. Right. In terms of its taste. So yeah. um there you go. Opportunity for Aussie beer exporters to to get out there and um Yeah, distribute your product. It's one of those things, uh, I think it's probably produced overseas, like they just share the recipe and it's bottled in.
1: Australia, yeah, yeah, or,
0: or or yeah, I'm not sure. That might even be bottled in North America, and they just put a label on it, you know. Yeah, right. But um, yeah, interesting. Okay, well, look, the 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 work that you do, I was just curious about the scheduling of it because um, obviously you've you've got you got your family life, you've got work life, and then but is are the hours always consistent or?
1: so no they're very up and down i share custody with my daughter so one week i will do night shifts and the next week i will do day shifts so it is quite hard on the body clock i guess but um we learn to make it work don't we
0: oh wow um and so like how long would a shift be that's at least at least five hours or more right
1: yeah so a basic shift would be five hours um up to 14 maybe if you're having a very, very busy night on a double as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's pretty much just goes with the territory, right? Like, do they expect you to to just go along with it? Or is it sort of like, do they offer it and say, oh, look, you can stay longer if you want to. Uh, I mean, obviously there's limited staff and you just got to probably do it. But um, yeah, is it the type of thing where you could just say, look, I've got to, I can work eight hours and then I got to go back?
1: Absolutely. So your rostered time, say, be 12 to eight. If there's still customers, you know, around at eight where the other bartender's not going to be able to cover them all by themselves, they will ask, but I do have the opportunity to go home because that is my rostered shift. Yeah. But me personally would always, I wouldn't leave my teammates, I guess, in the deep. So it is, you know, very daunting being the only bartender with a busy uh, restaurant.
0: Yeah. and that's, yes. I was just actually kind of feeling that like that would be quite stressful.
1: Absolutely. And you know you've got everyone's looking at over the bar at you making sure you're doing everything right and people do get very fussy at the end of the night after a few drinks so yeah we're all pretty good like that no one will leave anyone in the deep end yeah so how
0: do you like just thinking through the personal strengths that you'd have to have for that like how do you cope with that situation
1: um just resilience i guess and um you really need to learn to be relaxed in an environment like that if you start getting stressed out you're gonna break a glass that's going to take you 10 minutes to clean up You're 10 minutes behind you were already 10 minutes behind um so yeah just not getting overwhelmed really just um realizing that you've got to take it one step at a time and not getting stressed yeah which is hard
0: amazing yeah i mean so it's it's definitely uh you're full on i mean it's it's one of those roles where you have to be on right like you can't just be um i mean you're you're in the public eye right so you're constantly um, serving and, and there's not a lot of downtime, right?
1: No, no, not at all. But you're always, there's always something to do in a bar. Absolutely. Even if you know, it's got into that half an hour of the day where everyone's left and we're waiting for the next people to come in, there's cleaning, there's restocking, there's lots of heavy lifting. Yeah, it is. There's always something to be doing. So yeah, there's no, um, I guess, tuning out for a little bit at work.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, so you get a day off once in a while
1: once in a while absolutely i get two days off a week which i'm very lucky for that's good yeah Um, Um, but a lot of places yeah you could work 10 days in a row without a day off which is very difficult being on your feet for that long
0: yeah that's a good point yeah um what is there anything that makes a difference like i don't know good shoes or yoga or meditation or just something to keep the balance obviously a 10 days in a row working
1: you need good shoes absolutely if you do not have good shoes in a bar you're firstly you're going to slip over and secondly your back is going to be ruined in maybe two or three days of standing on your feet and i think you can end up doing you know 30,000 steps a day so well, yeah. that's
0: is that good that seems good for health though and yeah. what do they say 10,000 steps or or 10,000 yeah steps on, like, average, on yeah. average so 10,000 is good if you're doing 30 that's like yep Jeez, so do you go to the gym as well
1: uh occasionally maybe once every few weeks um with Obviously, a night shift, day shift. It is very hard to get into a routine of being able to fit in um, physical activity. But yeah, well, wow. um, as you said, it's good that I guess I've got a job where I'm getting fit whilst working at the same time. Really.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's all that thing about just being um, having different shifts, like meal times. Um, like your body must be constantly like, what day is it? I don't know. I'm guessing.
1: Absolutely. But um, it's um yeah. So I don't know after. Say a ten hour shift coming home at twelve o'clock at night and then eating I don't know a heavy meal probably isn't very good for your body at that time of the night, and then the next week switching back to um say waking up earlier and then you're not hungry, you're waking up through the night but yeah it's it's difficult but um it's it's it is sustainable though. so yeah. it is something that I think you learn after time to work around, and there's little you know nicks and Knacks to get boy working in hospitality.
0: Yeah. I think it might be just worth saying, like I can imagine there'd be a, a bit of a dark side to it where for people in hospitality, I'm just thinking of people that have that I've know have worked in bars and and just had to work shifts, shift work in general. Like there's sort of like a oh, I need to sleep now. So you sort of force your body into uh trying to sleep and, you know, there's sleep aids and all that kind of stuff. Like, do you know are there other people in your industry that um you see them. I don't know. I don't want to say using using things to help them sleep, but you know, manipulating their their body artificially just to try to like yeah, make absolutely.
1: It work. I think um, there's a lot of substance abuse in hospitality. From um, say people having to take sleeping tablets because they can't you know go to sleep when they get home. They're too wound up. It's two o'clock in the morning. They're starting again at ten the next day. You know, um, drinking. I think is a very big thing in hospitality. Um, I know that most places I've worked, 80% of people um will all head head over to another pub, if not have knockoff drinks in their venue after work just to try to wind themselves down before they go home. Um it is a very, as I was saying, stressful environment. So um it's hard to get back into relaxation mode after being go, go, go for so long, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um yeah, I'm
0: just, just thinking about like other alternatives to that. I mean, obviously just having the time off or maybe just a, a break from uh maybe doing fun things or something. It's a bit of a time off. Like what what do you like to do in your free time? What would you do to to relax like away from work?
1: In my free time, yeah. um I like to skate personally, a longboard. All right. Um yeah, or the beach to be honest, just anything to do with nature. So a little bush walk, just going for a swim, a tan, going for a skate. Yeah, Yeah. making sure that, you know, on your days off, you're not putting yourself back into a venue that is similar to where you work, I think is very big. And people get stuck in that rut of on their days off going to the pub because they're so adjusted to that lifestyle. And then your body's not resting and you're drinking. You know what I mean? You're two days off. You've had no downtime and then you're back at it. And again, in hospitality, like people are lucky to get two days off in a row. Generally, it is one day you know, work three days, one day through a week, like, so it's hard to go for holidays. It's hard to organize, you know, anything where you need more than one day around hospitality.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's neat. Like, I think the, first of all, the the longboarding is kind of a neat one. I hadn't, we hadn't had anybody on that's talked about skateboarding or just kind of that lifestyle. Where would you go? Is it up along the boardwalk? You'd have a pretty.
1: Yeah. So I, um and i will just skate in a straight line i'm not very tricky on my skateboard but so i'll just go to a smooth surface like um generally surface paradise is my favorite place to skate through it's very um gives me a bit of a california vibe maybe so cool um but yeah
0: is it um is there a whole like social scene with that like obviously just pulling up longboard and going for it is it is that totally like a uh, subculture of where we live here like is there skaters just kind of off going and up and down
1: um personally i have never experienced that i think maybe more with skate parks there is a very big culture in australia um with you know everyone kind of hanging out in that general um region of the skate park or around there and people being known and Um, but yeah, not so much with longboarding. I think that's more of a personal hobby. The same as going for a ride and a push bike or, um, going roller skating or something. Yeah. Cool.
0: Um, it's not dangerous though, is it?
1: Longboarding? Yeah. I've had a few stacks, but, um, (laughs) not too bad. Not if you don't go too fast.
0: Nice. Is it full gear? I'm just trying to picture, is it full gear or is it just more like California style? Just, just get the board and go not, no, no elbow pads, wrist pads, none of that stuff.
1: I won't wear any protection, but I guess a lot of. Uh, I guess a lot of kids I see wearing all the gear, getting started. Um, my daughter skates as well, but she won't wear knee pads or anything. She's had a few falls. She still gets back on it. So oh, cool? Yeah.
0: Does she get that from you? Do you think, or did she? Um, how did she get into it?
1: I think, I think more my partner because he's quite a good skater. Uh, yeah, so he's more um likes skate park, like trick style skating. Very so, cool. So yeah, I think she looks up to him quite a bit. So
0: oh, that's neat. Yeah. Uh. Oh. Um, yeah, like so obviously that there's lots going on. You your young mum, you know, you got your daughter growing up. Like, have you been here, um, settled here for a while? I, maybe we could just talk briefly about what, like where did you grow up and where do you come from?
1: Okay, anyways. No um so I was born in New Zealand. I moved over to Tiansu with my which is in North Queensland, very hot, very tropical. Um, when I was seven and lived there till I was nineteen. I had my daughter when I was 18, and me and her dad separated about a year after she was born. So we he came down to the Sunshine Coast, I moved to the Gold Coast so that we were both close to share custody with her. Um, and, yeah, I've been here for nearly, I think, nine years and yeah. absolutely loving it. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else in Australia. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, nice. I mean, you pretty much – and you've got – um, so you got – you settled here. You got your partner. You got work. Schools all all lined up, so you're pretty much um, good to go. Is there anything that you might be working towards? Like, obviously, we just came through this weird year where there was, I think, hospitality was probably shut down for a period of time, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's um, a
1: scary time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe just on that, like, was were you working during that time, or did they have to shut down?
1: No, so they shut all venues down in Australia. Um, I think there was takeaway places where you had to be however meters away and. So it was actually, yeah, very um, eye-opening to realising that if anything like that happens again, my job would be very at jeopardy. Um, I would like to get into community service, maybe helping teenage kids um, just, you know, who have had a hard time. I think Australia's got um, a lot of really good facilities to help um, children in crisis. So I'd love to contribute to that. Yeah. And I think it's more of a, you know, stable, maybe better hours as well, job position to be looking forward to. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. Um we've had a few people on the show that are sort of um like they're doing a day job and then they're s- just toying with um, I like guess social media or this kind of like I don't know, it's just they're developing themselves as a as a public person. Yeah. Okay. Um I don't know, is that something that you see a lot in your either in what you're doing now or like your peers you know people that are you're working with so the idea is like are people trying to be big on instagram and get followers and
1: oh absolutely you see a lot of that happening yeah very very big culture social media at the moment is yeah taking over the world i think
0: is that uh benefiting them in the sense like are they making money from it or is it opening opportunities? I'm just curious if it's actually getting anywhere or if it's just like the numbers get bigger and, you know, you got 50,000 followers and it looks good, but then there's not any extra money. If anything, they're busier than ever because they're trying to get that shot and this shot and, you know.
1: Um, I think it really depends. Like, I think you get a lot of perks out of it. Maybe not so much money-wise, but a lot of collaborations with clothing brands or skateboards or whatever it may be when you're... When you've gotten to a point where you do have a certain amount of followers and you're getting sponsored by people, I think that your lifestyle just realistically really changes. Like you're gonna get free hotels, a free holiday to tag this hotel, you know, free clothes to tag the clothing brand brand. Like, so I'm not like not too sure myself about how it all works money-wise. But yeah, I think that if you're not having to pay for your clothing or eating out or whatever it may be, you're going to have so much more money from your income to save on top of, you know, the perks of lots of free things. So I think it'd benefit them really well in the long run.
0: That's a good point, actually. I mean, I, I can actually see hear you describing it. I'm thinking, yeah, that's absolutely right. So it's It's not necessarily money coming at you. It's, um, you know, it's going to be all those extra things that make your life better so you don't have to pay for them it's almost like this exchange right
1: yeah that's exactly what it is um, it's, it's like, like the, um,
0: the new world the new economy yeah um, are you uh yeah are you into like technology and all this kind of stuff or are you more like low-key and just um yeah you know, like phones and you know like the latest gadgets
1: no not at all i'm not big on it yeah. myself
0: Do you, are you an iphone or android user iphone okay
1: yes. always um, iphone <laughs>
0: that's all right um and then so have yourself have you do you get on social media like do you are you looking to build a following or it's just mostly for friends and family and stuff
1: oh uh, definitely friends and family yeah i um i use instagram facebook um i have snapchat so my daughter can play with the filters but i don't overly use it myself um yeah i'm not phased really um with social media at all yeah
0: yeah okay cool um yeah look i mean it's uh it's been really neat to to look at hospitality in general, um and just some of the 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 way that it works in terms of scheduling and how people live their lives, you know? Like do you think it's something that people can build a full career on? Or do you think it's sort of a maybe a ten, ten years, fifteen years and then then it sort of pivots and you've got to look at something else. And maybe not yourself personally, but do you see people people working long careers in that kind of thing, or is it shorter term?
1: Um if you are working your way up in hospitality i think it's definitely something that you can have a lifelong career in if you were to uh, be a barista or a waitress or a bartender for more than 20 30 years i think you're going to have um you know a lot of problems with your body might be tendonitis in your wrists from carrying plates from putting the group heads in the coffee machine um, from shaking cocktails. I don't think that's sustainable for um yeah a lifelong career at all
0: yeah right mm. um do you uh just the the balance between Australian life and maybe like life outside the country, do you know much about um America via like movies or um have you traveled a bit or not so much?
1: No, I haven't traveled much at all okay. actually
0: Any place that you're curious about like um
1: in the whole world yeah, mm-hmm. I love Italy. I think that would be the first place I'd go to um, once the borders open. Yeah. Which Ho- is hopefully soon. Hopefully
0: soon. Um, what is it about Italy? Is it, uh, have you tried the, I mean, are you a fan of the food?
1: Absolutely. And just, it's um, just so beautiful, I guess. Like very romantic, it seems from my point of view. Um, I love the, all the canals and the little boats and all the um, architecture. It's amazing. Yeah, neat. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah look i mean it's uh it's been interesting to see where people head in the next you know few years obviously like things have i think the travel will will open up obviously and it's all these things conditions and restrictions and so on but the time factor like you're describing your schedule doesn't seem to allow for um like lots of time off and i think if i understand correctly there's like full-time work you get i think four weeks off a year under the normal work rules but in in your field of work is it more of like a casual type of a role where they um, they don't give you four weeks off a year or like how much time off do you a year do you get
1: so as a casual um i can put in for any amount of time off that i want but most venues as a casual worker are not going to want you to take much more than maybe a week at a time off through a year um especially in small businesses they want someone that's you know gun ho that's going to be there um on call uh when they need and not putting, I guess, the business in a tough time by leaving on holidays for too long. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think for our hours to stay up, if they were to hire another, uh, say, um, waiter or a bartender to cover you, you might not have your job when you get back.
0: Jeez, that's, yeah, that's scary. And also the time off isn't paid.
1: Absolutely. And so so that's
0: a a main point. So what I was saying is, yeah, under a full-time role, say they're there are full time workers, perhaps, and then they would get paid for that four weeks. You're you're taking holiday, but the idea is you're on a salary and whatever. Exactly right. Does yeah. that exist? I I understand the casual is sort of like, it's you get paid more on an hourly rate, probably not much more, but it's still a little bit more, um, versus like if you're on a permanent role. Does that exist in your line of work? Do you know other people that are on like a fixed salary?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
0: It just depends.
1: Yeah, um, depends. I guess how secured your job is. Um, I know most of hospitality workers are casual workers when it goes to manager um duty manager venue manager um then i think you're looking more towards the salary part of it which is can i guess benefit you and um, at the same time not because if you haven't finished what you need to do you're working overtime and not being paid for it because you're on a fixed rate where you need to have your job done each and every day, if you haven't got it done by, say, you thought you'd finish at eight o'clock and you're back till 10, you don't get paid for those extra hours. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Um, yeah, no, super. I mean, it's just uh, just interesting to see and and maybe people listening in would either are in hospitality and they're thinking, okay, that's a bit different than how it works. I know like in um, in the US, for example, the minimum, minimum wage is quite low. So they might work in a bar or restaurant, but I think it might be $6 an hour or seven or eight. Wow. So it's low, but then they rely on the tips on the tips. Okay. Um, so maybe just to spell it out for people here. Do you get tips or or not?
1: Uh, yeah, we do get tips. Yeah. Um, so more, I think, as people are not using cash as much at the moment, we have an F system of tipping. So when you are about to pay your bill at the end of the night, there'll be a button that will come up on the screen that says, would you like to tip? You press it yes or no if you press yes you can type in how much you want to tip on top of um, your whole bill it's i don't think anywhere near um on the page of how americans would tip but it is still a top up, i guess at the end of the week and then we divide it by everyone accordingly
0: that's that's interesting to hear i think that's one of the first times i've heard that uh, maybe the technology is actually helping because it's just kind of there built in so They're working it in before you'd have to actually um write it at the bottom or leave some cash on the
1: yeah exactly right on the table
0: um is that do you think that has changed look or is it as long as you've been doing it it's it's been like that
1: um i think say working in a pub like a more of just a casual you walk in for a beer you can wear your work clothes and you know have just finished working in construction or something where it's not fancy at all um places like that very low tips um people are putting their hand out for the 20 cents change back you know um as opposed to i guess in fine dining i think america has had a big influence on tipping um maybe through just the media movies tv shows um but i think it has increased over the last 10 years yeah, I
0: wonder, because um, I just remember my own experience coming here and, and moving here and living here for the first time was you have such a strong instinct to uh, just part of the culture, what you're brought up with, you are at a restaurant and to not leave a tip was a weird experience. Like you almost feel like you're going to get body slammed and <laughs> someone's going to come out of the wall and, because doing, it, the wrong thing. and doing the wrong yeah. thing and or the or the person that's serving you is going to scream at you being like, you know, where's my because it's just so part of it. Absolutely, um, and fair enough. That's part of their wages, and um, I think they're taxed on it. And they do, they do share. Uh, I think there goes back to the central pool, and they share it out. Okay, that's, that way yeah. as well depends on the the thing. But to the hear venue, you, de- yeah, exactly. yeah, to hear you describe it, it sounds like I'm not surprised because the more people you do have traveling in, and it is a bit of a touristy area, there would be that influence of like, well, I'm just going to tip anyway because it's they feel like it's the right thing to do, yeah, or it's an appreciation of the service too.
1: Exactly right. I think you know um, if you've Someone's gone far and beyond their way to make, you know, the best drink they can feel. A lot of people have, as we were saying before, strange requests that I guess is going to take myself five more minutes than it would if they asked for a margarita. Um, and that's muchly appreciated by the staff as well when we get tipped on going that little bit further for the customer. So it is nice. Mutual agreements, I guess.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, it might be a bit of fun just to wrap up, but like, can you think of um, a drink that was just really weird or like a really weird request that you're like, what does this guy want?
1: A really weird request. I had um, someone ask me for a green, oh, a green dead lizard. And it was a very simple drink. It was lime, cordial and coke. But just the thought of, I guess it came from a a dead lizard is black and green. I don't know. But Yeah, made me sick making it after they said the name. But that was probably the strangest name, strangest drink. I've had um, milk and contra, which is an orange-flavored liqueur. So I thought that was very bizarre, and it pretty much curdled. I was going to say it. (laughs) Yeah. And they drank it, but people have some bizarre taste buds, I guess. That's fun.
0: Well, it's good to know that that all options are on the table, and if you want to go and and put the request and sounds like your bartender might make it for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: um, For a price and
1: a tip. Absolutely, right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Sounds good. Well, Karen, thank you very much for coming on and sharing on some of that, uh, you know, that perspective on life and um, yeah, really interested to see what's next for you and uh, certainly welcome back anytime.
1: Wonderful. Uh, Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Thanks again. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Aussie Ambitions podcast we appreciate your support and welcome your input so if there is a topic that you would like to see covered please let us know via our website aussieambitions.com or any of our social media accounts and please subscribe to receive all of our updates we hope that you picked up some helpful tips helping you to get to where you want to go and if you've got a story to tell and are able to come for a visit definitely get in touch